Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Stein and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 155. I'm Paul Spain, and with me today is... Owen Williams from Wellington. Great to have you on the podcast, Owen. It's been a really long time since, uh, since yeah. we've, we, we've had you on. So, so welcome, welcome back. Episodes. Yeah, it's been, uh, it must have been at least 100 episodes ago that we, uh, we, we, we had you on the podcast. So, uh, so <laughs> hey, this is great. Now, a few things have changed in, in your world. Now, when we were talking to you then, you were writing a little bit for some online publications. You, you've changed where you, where you work during the day and what you do from a journalistic perspective. So maybe you could just fill us in there with your connections to the tech world in New Zealand and internationally. My day job, I work at Xero. I'm an infrastructure engineer. And uh, this is actually a bit of news for you too, Paul. Uh, so I, I did do a lot of freelance work, but I've actually just joined the next web as a full-time weekend editor. So that's pretty exciting. So, wow, so, so I'll you're, be you're, uh, you're going to be zero full-time during the week and full-time on the weekend. You're, uh, yeah, you're yeah. for the next web. That, that's pretty cool. They're, yep. they're a very well-respected sort of international publication co- you know, covering what's happening in the, in the tech world. So uh, oh, that's great. Congratulations. So I wanted to put them both both on. You know, zero is awesome, and so is the next web. I didn't really want to leave either. So <laughs> here I am working all the time. But no, it's it's great. It's it's cool to work with them, and I love it. So very excited. Excellent. Well, let, let's ju- let's jump into the uh, let's jump into the to the news. We've held off the podcast a little bit this week because there's a couple of uh, announcements that were, were lining up just with when the podcast was due to go out. Now, first one that you probably haven't had a play with yet, but um, something I wanted to cover off uh, that I've been playing with over the last few days is Sony's new uh, 3D viewer. This oh, is yeah. a uh, this, so this is a, a basically a, a headset that you put on, and you're looking at at two um, H HD screens that are uh, HD rather than full HD, but still a pretty nice resolution. And you can hook that basically into any uh, any HDMI source. So it might be into Xbox or PlayStation for gaming. It might be into your Blu-ray player to watch movies in in 3D. Uh, could be into your computer. So there's a whole lot of things you can do with it. Um, it's due to launch fairly soon. I haven't seen the New Zealand pricing, but about a thousand US is the uh, is what we're seeing on on the American side. Actually, I think it's probably coming in in the seventeen to eighteen hundred dollar range uh, here in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, it looks GST like it, yeah. and the like. Um, but yeah, just I thought I'd give that one uh, give that one a mention because it's it's one of the newest things that we've been uh, looking looking at here, and I think I think it's very cool. Now, the other device that we we talked about uh, recently was the Oculus Rift, and that tries to do some of the same sort of things, but it's designed more for immersive gaming, um, and it's at the moment got a lower definition screen and only available to the developers. So in terms of you know, products that are available in the market right now, or about to be, the Sony 3D Viewer is, uh, is pretty cool. And it's got wireless HDMI, so you don't have to actually be sitting right next to you know the source if you've got a Blu-ray player in one place you want to be across the room or you want to walk around, which I wouldn't recommend because this thing covers <laughs> covers your all your eyes and everything, and it takes you into another world, really. So uh, so does that work with all the PlayStation and everything, does it? So yeah, because, it, because it's HDMI, 
HDMI. Basically, uh, you know, wow. anything that can do an HDMI output, it can it can do. And if you've got something that does three 3D, like a 3D Blu-ray player, or um, yeah, you can you can do that that also with uh, PlayStation. Uh, wow, that's incredible! It in and you're actually getting that 3D uh, 3D sort of experience. And it's it's like a it's like being yeah you know, in a cinema in terms of just you know how big it it, it looks. I mean, obviously the screens are you know are very close to you, but that doesn't you don't sort of get that sort of feeling that it's you know that it, that it's cramped in. It works out really well. So quite quite a nice new piece of uh, piece of technology, and I'm sure yeah. we'll see a lot more of that stuff uh, going forward. Yeah, I definitely want to try that. <laughs> All right, well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, have to set that up now. Apple announcements. That's I mean, overnight we've had big announcements from Apple. Uh, well, that was sort of really this morning. Last night, yeah. uh, Nokia making their announcements. Of course, Microsoft's new Surface products landed in a whole lot of markets around the world uh, from sort of yeah, midnight Monday and New Zealand being the first in the world to kick that off. Uh, so that stuff's landed here. Uh, and, of course, we had uh, Windows 8.1 uh, and Server 2012 R2 that sort of became available internationally late last week. So we'll dive into an interview about that later on with uh, uh, Brad Boris from Microsoft. We've uh, we've got a chat with him. We'll jump into. But Owen, with you, really keen to uh, to chat through your opinions on the on these other announcements. So um, yeah. yeah, my goodness, it's a, this is a lot of devices. It's just crazy. I can't believe it. Like three days of just. Full on brand new stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you think, but my goodness, like the Microsoft thing was crazy enough. Did you go to the launch event in Auckland? Yeah, so they, they had a sort of a media media launch in Auckland, and I found the enthusiasm there from other media was was quite interesting because in the past we haven't. Yeah, Microsoft hasn't really been an exciting brand, but we're right, starting right. to see sort of the excitement come back. I think around uh, around some of the things that Microsoft are doing, and yeah, I think they they seem to have a pretty good story to tell about the new Surface Two, which is their ten point six inch uh, tablet, which is sort of more consumer and student oriented, I guess, than full on professional business because you can't run the you know your, all your traditional apps on it, uh, other other than Microsoft Office. And then the Surface Pro 2. What's been your take on on those two products, Owen? Uh, because you've you've spent some time with the previous generation with the Surface yep. uh, Pro, which had obviously the much shorter battery life. Um, but but there's a bit of a, a move forward with the sort of specifications and so on in these new models. Yep. So I've I've got mine coming on a Thursday, which I'm quite excited about. But uh, it's really interesting. I was just actually having a look at um, some news about the new Surface 2, and I saw that they actually have hidden the desktop on the latest one. I don't know if you noticed that when you were there, but it's actually really hard to get to it. And one of my biggest gripes about the Surface RT especially, I mean, they've dropped, dropped the RT part from the name now. My biggest gripe about it was that like it was really confusing to consumers. Like You got this PC thing that you couldn't actually do PC th- things on, but Office was on the desktop, and it's, a, it's still a bit of a mishmash, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if the, um, the app ecosystem is really there to support it yet. Like, it was really good to see uh, Facebook and uh, Flipboard come on board this week, which I think will help a lot with getting these app developers on, but right now, buying something like that, you're really only going to be using the web experience, whereas on the Surface 2 uh, Pro, sorry, it, it's it's an awesome device that kind of does everything, but it's also a bit heavy. I don't know if you found that when you were testing it, but it's awesome, but it doesn't quite do the tablet thing quite right because they haven't been able to shrink it yet. 
Yeah, what, I what think, do you think about that? I think, it, I mean, a lot of this comes down to how, what your habits are and, and yeah. what other technologies you're used to using. Um, I've just folded out the Surface 2 in front of me, and you've got these two two heights with a kickstand, which I find quite yeah. nice. So I've just managed to kick it back on a little bit more of a, uh, a tilt here. And, yeah, it's that sort of um, flexibility is certainly something that helps. Uh, in terms of hiding the hiding the desktop, I mean, what it did when I moved to the Surface 2 is it pulled through my configuration from the cloud from my right. original Surface RT, which I thought was really nice. It came up, would you like to, you know, uh, pull through? And I, I'd used two different Surfaces in the past, and it let me basically pick one of them and pull the configuration uh, through. And it laid out my home screen with all my icons and, and, and uh, you know, apps and so on, exactly where they were uh, previously. So that cloud integration side is actually starting to work really, really yeah, well yeah. when you move from one device to another. Um, I mean, I take your point around apps. There's definitely been some holes for them, but you know they're now up around a hundred thousand apps, and and you know they seem to be filling a lot of the gaps. And where they don't, they have that benefit that the the browser that's built in uh, to both the Surface uh, you know, Pro and the RT uh, has that flash support. So you've you know yep. you can still uh, you know access things without an app and still get you know get a pretty good uh, experience yeah, so yeah I, I think uh, I think this certainly the surface 2 is a is a really nice device that jumped to a full high definition screen uh, coming in at 649 New Zealand dollars for a 10 point mm. six inch tablet I think you know for the quality of the hardware it's pretty compelling I yeah. think that's a it's a very very fair price uh, and you've got the yeah you've got the ability to plug it into a bigger screen you've got the USB yep. port and micro SD uh, there so it's really yeah expandable as well I'm sure you've got to pay extra if you want the keyboards. Mm. And I think most people probably, probably will. <laughs> but that's the same with virtually every other, you know, tablet we've seen, you know, in the market in the past as well, that you'll pay extra to get a keyboard. You get an iPad and you want that Bluetooth keyboard for it, you know, you, you buy, you go out and buy that. Uh, and certainly the integrated keyboard experience is nicer than those traditional sort of Bluetooth keyboards we've had in the past. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's actually really interesting because I thought the Surface 2 was really uh, great in that regard. They they listened to what everybody was saying about the Surface RT. If you look at it, it was a bit slow. The screen wasn't very good. It was it was just a bit. It wasn't very good compared to the competition. But if you look at the new one, it's actually they've filled in all the gaps. They've got the apps coming along. i11 is actually really good. It's a great uh, browser, was, isn't it? Yeah, Internet Explorer yeah, 11. Was, they seem to have. Uh, yeah, I guess address sort of any of the shortcomings that were there in the past. You've got yeah. a lot of cloud synchronization type uh, yeah, pieces in there as well. Um, yeah. And you've got this reading list cap- capability uh, to, you know, to be able to grab, grab bits and pieces and put them aside to read later, which is great. Yeah, and it automatically updates, which is something that we've wanted for how long? Like, it's great that they've finally gotten to the point where they're actually really serious about making a browser. The only, the only thing that I find a little bizarre about the, the Surface 2 is that, um, now that Nokia, on a bit of a segue here, uh, has announced their one, the Lumia, uh, 2520, it's almost like they're competing with themselves. Like, there's a Nokia one and a Windows one, it's, it's a bit weird. Well, I guess, I mean, Microsoft don't, don't own Nokia yet, and, you know, the things that, yep. that we're hearing is that, uh, you know, Nokia are, uh, are just getting on and, and doing their business. 
and yeah, sure. At 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 some point, it's likely that the uh, the Nokia acquisition is going to go ahead. But in the meantime, I think this is really good. And the thing with the Nokia uh, one, and we'll chat a little bit more about uh, that. Uh, well, we can segue across to it, actually. Um, the thing about it is, this is a 4G LTE product, so yeah. you know, it's quite different from the current Surface products that don't have any uh, 3G or 4G uh, built in. Although that's that's coming in the new year, uh, we're told. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, I think it's good having having other products, and you know, we're seeing products from Dell and you know uh, Lenovo, HP, mm. various vendors, Acer and Asus. Um, those ones are you know are all working really hard to innovate and come up with great products. And I think it would be a real pity if the only uh, tablets running Windows we could get were Microsoft uh, products. Yeah, you know, they don't fill all the gaps for everyone at the moment. Uh, in the same way, yep. some you know some degree that that people want something different in a phone than the iPhone. Not everyone in the world wants to have an iPhone. Um, and yeah, there, are other vendors with, there are other vendors with other choices and different products and screen sizes and, and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's good and actually probably helps Microsoft rather rather than uh, hinders them. I mean, they, I think, uh, yeah, they've, they've got a, a reasonable fit there. What that picture will look like longer term because we've got you know, HP, for instance, now saying that Microsoft are competing with them directly uh, and you know, similar noises from from uh, from other vendors, so yeah, but yeah, those guys have built their businesses on Microsoft. So yeah, I yep, don't yep. I don't think they're going to stop making uh, win- Windows products, uh, you know, anytime within the next next twelve months or so. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely an interesting move. I would say they. I, I I don't know if you've looked extensively at this Nokia one, but it's just an incredible device. I mean, in terms of uh, if you if you look at the market right now, the iPad is really, I mean, it's the the premium quality device, and I'd say this this is the Windows ecosystem's premium device. It looks beautiful, that unibody plastic or the polycarbonate style thing they're doing, really nice screen. The LTE, it all just kind of starts adding up. I, I think I think especially 16 hours of battery. I mean, that's crazy. Even Apple doesn't doesn't promise that kind of thing. I'm pretty impressed. I, I definitely want to try one at least. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I'm you know, looking forward to seeing that sort of hands-on. And of course, all we've really seen is sort of videos and 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 you know, obviously some uh, reviewers that are um, that have been in Abu Dhabi and able to have a look at these things directly. Uh, but yeah, so what else have uh, Nokia announced? They've also announced the uh, the Lumia 1520 yep. that have, that have been rumored. <laughs> uh, now this is a big uh, a six inch. So this is bigger than the Galaxy Note, right? In terms of yeah. yeah. In terms of a screen, people always comment how big the Galaxy Note was with its 5.7, or originally 5.5 with the Note, uh, the Note 2, uh, 5.7 with the with the Note 3, and this is a six six inch screen, uh, and they've they've put in that uh, 20 megapixel pure view camera, uh, which, which is you know really taking a, a, a real camera, not a smartphone camera, and putting it into a uh, into a phone. So a pretty hefty device. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your take on on that? Are you a fan of uh, of these the, you know bigger types of devices? I know you sort of quite love the uh, the <laughs> iPhone form factor and and yeah. you know, from a software perspective. But you know, how do you think this is going to go into the market? I think I think it's really interesting. I think Windows Phone is really awesome. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of what they've done in terms of uh, phone manufacturers. They've actually finally 
gotten to the point where they're so different and they're so unique that you can really, they're doing the thing with what the Apple does where they relate it to the user, how it makes them feel, how you can customize the phone. And it's really, really cool in that regard. I think Nokia is doing a very similar move to um, uh, what Samsung do, does to fill out every screen size possibility. They're competing in almost every area. And if you look at, um, I think they said the suggested price for the Lumia 1520 in the US unsubsidized was 350 US dollars. I mean, that's that's cheap. That's uh, no, the cheap. 1320 was coming in, I think, at that ah, sort of 1320, point. okay. The 15 yeah, yeah. was about 750 US. So I was going to say, that, it I is thought that top, was ridiculous. Yeah, it is, a, it is at that <laughs> top end uh, of, yeah. of, you know, of pricing, but it also is from a, uh, from a specifications uh, you know, mm. perspective as well. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't think they're, uh, they're, they're going uh, yeah, super cheap in those, in those mm. uh, uh, regards. I think, you know, Nokia are working hard to get people across to high-end products, but yep. not at the expense of, uh, of profit, oh, shall yeah. we say. So, you know, they could, I mean, from what we hear, the prices of producing smartphones mean there is actually quite big profit margins. And mm. I guess the, the point is when you compare, the, you know, the top smartphones with the tablets, uh, actually, yeah, we're paying we're paying a real premium for our phones because you take a tablet, which is in many ways just a smartphone with a really big screen from a, a technology perspective, uh, and the and the tablets are actually at, at lower price points, and certainly that's uh, you know that's the case we're hearing here between the Lumia uh, 1520, at, which is the you know the six inch uh, smartphone or, or phablet if you want to use mm, that uh, yeah. that that it really name. it's almost a tablet now it's just ridiculous yeah um, <laughs> I mean you are really uh, encroaching into the the price point um, well it's inter- yeah it's interesting where those price points sort of uh, land because the uh, the, the the 2520 is considerably uh, cheaper than than, mm. than the six inch uh, handset I think the numbers I've, I've seen are uh, four nine nine as the uh, as the US price right. point for the um, uh, for that you know that 4g tablet I mean that sounds really good what it'll be when it mm. when it hits New Zealand you know tax and so on goes on um, yeah I'm not sure and it's another 149 US for that um, for that Keyboard uh, power, you know, the, the powered keyboard, which will bump it up to that 16 yep. uh, uh, sort of hours that you were you were talking about. Um, but you know, even so, you put those two together, and it's still cheaper than actually buying the uh, uh, the smartphone, the, the the 1520. Now, you did yeah. mention the lower price point, and that's uh, that's what we're what the uh, 349 uh, was it 349 US uh, 13 yeah 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 is for the Lumia 1320 which has the same big screen but an HD screen rather than a full oh, HD screen right. some lower specs there in terms of a you know, more uh, more normal uh, yeah camera and and so on um, I mean that could that could hit New Zealand at uh, what yeah six hundred dollar um, price point yeah. may, maybe um, is there anything that's pretty, else that pretty really, competitive is, yeah is there anything else that really uh, is going gonna, is gonna to compete directly uh, um, with, with that sort of price point? That, that seems pretty sh- uh, pretty sharp for uh, what is I, effectively a pretty yeah. high-end uh, cell phone, right? 
smartphone. It undercuts the uh, Galaxy Note. It undercuts the S4. If they can bring it down to that point, they're below even the 5C, which is really expensive. Uh, I can't think of much else in that price point. They're smack in the middle there between premium and cheap, where you've got like the 520, which is a really interesting handset. It's one of the most popular Nokia handsets in New Zealand. So it's, I think it's quite a good opportunity to get people on a semi-premium handset. It's almost like upselling from that lower point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there um, hasn't been a whole lot that's really awesome in that mid uh, in that mid price yeah. point. So no, it is. Uh, it's. I think it's it's good to see, and it's good to see the competition that we're uh, we're getting across the vendors to now starting to uh, deliver a much broader range of products than than we had even you know even twelve months ago. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, now the, the other thing, uh, just on the Nokia front, from their um, um, their announcement uh, overnight was their uh, their Azure phones, and these are their their low end or their, their feature phones, you know. Uh, and you know they don't usually get much attention, but their their price points sit between sixty nine and ninety nine US dollars. And these are uh, they're vir- they're virtually they virtually are smartphones now because um, they've got a touch screen. They're coming with a whole range of apps available: Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, uh, Here Maps for navigation. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff there, uh, but they're Coming in at the sort of yeah, price point that uh, yeah, we say virtually anyone can afford a uh, a smartphone, but certainly in, in, in some markets that's not you know that's not so true, uh, particularly in developing countries. Uh, but uh, yeah, sixty nine to ninety nine uh, US dollars for, for those phones. How do you think they'll go? I think I think they will sell quite well, and I, I think that goes back to what I was saying about uh, Nokia really covering every price point off. They're covering off the really cheap phones right up to the top, and I know they don't run Windows Phone necessarily, um, but I think Asha goes with Nokia to Microsoft when they do the sale. I believe so, so I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't undervalue those customers. They can, and I think this is the thing, like you can always slowly upsell them into that, you know, five, Lumia 520 market or even slightly higher on the uh, 1320 eventually. So I think, I think it's a good, it's a good strategy. They're getting these people on this, on their brand. It'll be interesting to see if they keep selling as well when it's a Microsoft Asher, but I mean, <laughs> you can't really predict that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some interesting things there around what I've read, uh, the, the arrangements with the Nokia brand, and you know, it sounds like the, well, I think the Nokia name stays with the Asher handsets, but not with the Lumia handsets, uh, and I would have actually yep. thought the Nokia name yeah, had a much more of a sort of a cachet associated with it uh, in, the, in the phone first than, than Microsoft because Microsoft aren't known for it but uh, maybe they believe yeah. a, a bit of a fresh start there with that association with the Lumia brand will help them um, I don't know that's, well, yeah, uh, I just, that's I just anyone's guess it is coming across so uh, Microsoft is bringing in the Asher brand and they're coming with 200 million users so I mean it's an opportunity, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but they're keeping the Nokia name apparently associated with the Asher yep. phones. So, um, yep. yeah, that yep. makes sense. All right, now that's for cool. um, for the I guess the, the 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 big announcement that certainly will get the most uh, mainstream media have been uh, the announcements from uh, from from Apple. 
uh, overnight, yep. and uh, well, this morning New Zealand time. Now, uh, first up on the software front, uh, OSX Mavericks, which uh, yeah has been floating around for, for some time uh, with with developers to be able to test out. Um, this is OSX version 10.9, so we're now nine uh, nine uh, or the tenth iteration. Uh, you know, starting at ten you know 10.0 up now up to 10.9 of OSX. It's now uh, yep. it's now yeah, getting pretty mature, but um, have you have you had much of a play around with uh, with Mavericks at all yourself yet? Uh, I haven't I haven't had a play with it necessarily, but I had a look at the features and I kind of thought, okay, Windows has had that for a while, but I actually I actually haven't owned a Mac yet, and as soon as they announced the new Retinas this morning, I went out and bought one. Uh, I, I think I think all those features that they're finally getting the multiple monitor support, all that stuff is really starting to get people like me who are total tech nerds really interested in that. I guess kind of OS. They've got the full dual screen things. Enterprise people are going to love that. They've got all these finer tabs. It's just better for power users, and I'm I'm kind of excited. I mean, it's totally nerdy, but it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think Apple are, Apple are keeping themselves really uh, really competitive, and I you know I always thought how can Apple keep up when you know the number of users using OS X compared to the number of users using Windows is, is such a small percentage. How can they afford yep. to you know pour so much into to R and D to keep up? Surely they you know they 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 they're gonna you know they're gonna fall behind, um, and you know I guess there are different areas where there are there are differences between uh, Windows and OS X where you, where you can you know you can state well this one's better or or that one's better, but I think they're actually you know considering that they're keeping up very well, and I, and I guess that you know the, yeah. to a large degree they're 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 funded reliant on the sales of the Mac hardware as well, so all of that you know plays back in terms of their uh, their their R and but they seem to be doing a couple of interesting things. One, uh, this upgrade is free. Now, this is the first time we've seen a point upgrade like this that's, uh, that's free from Apple, right? That got cheers from the crowd. Like, mm. everybody mm. freaked out. Everyone on Twitter is overwhelmed. What will be really interesting with this is if they decide not to charge for the next one. There's a lot of buzz online at the moment about it. It's like, will Apple charge for the next one? And Because if you look at the phone market and you look at the tablet market, people expect them to be free in that space. I mean, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what Microsoft does with Surface. Like, 8.1 was a free upgrade for Surface RT, but what will happen with the next one? Will, will you get Windows 9 for free? I don't know. But it seems like Apple has come to the conclusion, maybe, that they can just keep releasing their updates for free because everyone's already buying their hardware anyway. Mm, I don't know. Mm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think the I think the biggest takeaway from this is wow, they've actually updated everybody from Snow Leopard up. Uh, like they're they're moving everybody onto one platform. They've unified it. There's no fragmentation. I mean, there's going to be people that don't upgrade, but that's an impressive move. Imagine if Microsoft gave everyone Windows 8.1 right back to Vista. For free, mm, that would be mm, mm. ridiculous. Well, I think that the difference from Apple's perspective is this will drive hardware, you know, sales for them. So they'll give yes. people the new stuff, and people are like, well, actually, I need a newer machine for this, and you have to go back to Apple to buy that hardware. You know, there's not that choice. Yep. Where, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Microsoft doesn't make a cent when you buy hardware, and you know, unless you're, uh, you know, you're, you're buying, uh, you know, Windows with it, etc., and so on. So there's, there's a bit of a picture there in terms of how that, uh, you know, how that happens for uh, for Apple, and yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to see the way. 
particularly at the consumer end, that we're seeing um, the cost of, of products uh, from a software perspective really shrink in, in recent years and, and in some cases sort of disappear or or get paid for in other ways. You know, we've got Microsoft who um, they don't exactly give away Microsoft Office, but, you know, it, yeah. it, it feels like that, that, you know, the deal they've done uh, in the last week uh, in the education market in New Zealand means most students in New Zealand now will be able to get a free copy of Microsoft Office uh, to run on Mac or on Windows. Uh, the, yep. the, the, uh, the, the, micro, the Windows-based tablets now, including Microsoft uh, Office as part of that sort of purchase price. Um, and and then we've got the Office 365, you know, business level subscriptions uh, that for you know, for a pretty low price includes Office and email services and you know cloud storage services for documents, video conferencing, and so on, all sort of bundled into this price. Which you could easily say, well, the amount that's being paid, uh, that's enough for the email and the etc. on its own, or it's enough for the video conferencing on its own, or enough for Office on its own. But you're getting all of those things sort of thrown in at that price. So there's, um, um, yeah, to some degree, a bit of a devaluing across the board uh, in software. And I guess that's part of the reason why Microsoft are, uh, are, uh, you know, ensuring that they're getting a piece of the uh, hardware pie as well. Absolutely. I mean, the really interesting thing about the Apple event today is, uh, moving on slightly, is they, they also announced that iWork is free with every Mac, and that... That's to me is a very much so a knee-jerk reaction to what Microsoft is doing. They're doing the whole office comes with your Surface, it comes with whatever you buy for free. Apple is now giving away iWork, they're giving away iLife. It's, you see, you know, it's kind of it's very it's very aggressive. They're, they're following the leader because I think they know that that Microsoft has done a good thing. Um, and I think if they if they were still selling them separately, it would be a different story, I would say. And, and also, it comes free on the phone, so it's very aggressive against Microsoft's strategy, which oh, is also is. the same on Windows Phone. It is, and it's great to have this competition. Uh, yeah, I think from a from a consumer and a business user perspective, this competition is a really you know is a really good thing. And I think there will be businesses that will say, "Look, we're going to use iWork rather than Office." Uh, and yep. you know, I like being free in there as well. I mean, yeah, it, it becomes part of that sort of broader ecosystem that you know we often talk about. Each platform that's successful generally has a really big ecosystem around it, and that's been one of the issues for BlackBerry. Uh, you know, their main part of their Ecosystem, uh, I guess, it's been BlackBerry Messenger, which they've now finally made available this this week after a few uh, uh, hiccups yeah. for uh, for Android and, and iOS. Uh, but they don't have that broader ecosystem uh, that that Google and Apple and Microsoft have with you know music and 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 apps and email, um, movies and so on. All of these you know broader pieces and big big app stores. Um, mm. And that, I think that's that's going to be you know part of what uh, what helps sort of put, you know, ultimately put the nail in the coffin for uh, for BlackBerry unless they come out uh, mm. out of the hat with, you know, with something really really soon. Um, well, that'd be surprising, wouldn't but, it? You know, that, that would be yeah, it'd be interesting to see what could happen there. Maybe through an acquisition, somebody acquires them, which has got yep. some of the right assets. Then something's possible there. But yeah, I agree um, with that. Having that broader ecosystem is necessary to make it work. Now, um, other bits that were announced: the, the Mac Pro, which we heard about earlier on in the year, and this is a crazy looking uh, uh, look. Oh man, <laughs> big but this sort of small uh, black. 
tube, as it were, um, for $4,999 New Zealand dollars, uh, you'll get an extremely powerful system. It's got the sort of processing power uh, that come in, uh, you know, top business class servers. You've got, yeah. uh, you know, dual, very high-end graphics cards with, um, uh, yeah, two, two gigs of, of very fast uh, memory there. Uh, I mean, this machine is an absolute beast. Yeah, and it's just a crazy unique design too. It's it's incredible. I can't believe it. And like, because if you look at the previous Mac Pro, there's massive boxes, and then this guy, it's it's just just amazing what they've managed to shrink down in the last kind of two three years. It's a complete. I, I thing, wish I could it? get one. It's yeah, a complete it's incredible. Thing. Um, I mean, a very high starting point, but for those that are um, you know that are doing that those sort of high end uh, tasks of video editing and so on, and you know are steering away from the iMac because the iMac now is very powerful. You know, at a starting point, starts with a quad core processor. Uh, yeah, go, goes up in terms of. Um, Specs from there, um, you know, the the iMac is 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 a, is a good start. You know, as are all of the Macs. You know, uh, you know, even even the MacBook Air now with the current processors, um, yeah, yeah, it's got a pretty you know acceptable amount of grunt for yeah, lot, lots and lots of tasks. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm curious to see how this new Mac Pro is going to sell. Whether it's really going to uh, you know attract attention. I know it stands out from a look perspective. I think a lot of people in that space actually would have preferred. If they stayed with the previous form factor, they had room for putting lots of hard disks inside it, and you know it just looked like a really professional machine. Uh, and although the Mac Pro looks stunning, and yes, I'd absolutely love to have one, the uh, <laughs> Apple. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know the yeah the, the question is whether that price point and and you know the form of the machine is something that's going to. Uh, um, you know, spin the wheels for for those that have you know that have that have got to uh, uh, you know pick what they need. I mean, there'll be certain requirements where people have just been waiting. People have been waiting a long time for a refresh on the Mac Pro, uh, oh, yeah. and I think there will be customers that are just going to go out and order these as soon as they're available. Uh, still a little way off. It's December when it uh, when it ships, uh, but uh, hey, that's not too far down the track. So um, yeah, for those that are that are waiting, only a few more weeks to go. It's very exciting. I, I definitely want an excuse to get one. <laughs> now, um, well, I'm sure there'll be there'll be somewhere within uh, within zero where one's needed, and uh, you can make sure. Yeah, you the video department will get one. I'm sure. Uh, gravitates towards your desk now. Um, yeah. <laughs> iPad. Now, I mean, the iPad has just been a massive success. You know, single-handedly, it has really launched. Uh, you know, the tablet market. Globally, and in the same way, really, that the iPhone did in terms of really kicking, uh, you know, kicking smartphones into into really high gear. Um, the the iPad has been a huge success, but it's. It's been obviously the picture's been changing with what's happened from from Google with all of the Android tablets down to very low cost, yeah. you know, hundred dollar you know type devices, uh, and and now you know Microsoft with with their products, which they're coming in at, at some some pretty competitive price points and saying, hey, you can also work on this because we're throwing in you know, f- um, you know full version of uh, of Microsoft Office. Um, what's your take on what's going to happen? Because we've got, I guess, the two products announced. Uh, Today, the iPad Mini Retina, which which takes the iPad uh, Mini to a, a really really high definition um, screen, we're talking sort of the same sort of yep. density as as on the iPhone, uh, you know, uh, yeah, five onwards, uh, and then the the iPad Air, right? It's a very interesting 
interesting thing they're doing. Uh, if you watch the um, keynote from this morning, it, I think I think they're starting to feel the pressure a little bit. I think not not because they're losing their magic or any of this Apple is doing nonsense that you'll hear in the media. I think it's I think it's because they're just being un- undercut on price. The, the iPad is a premium device, and when these Android people come in at $99, when you get, start getting these $200, $300 tablets, Apple can't compete. If you look at the iPad mini, I'm not sure if that was so much a price reaction as uh, they actually did need a smaller device as well, but it, it is very much so targeted at getting down the price without having to diminish the iPad brand I suppose it's, it's and it's, really and it's quite when, a key key, um, key size. You know, the 7.9 inch display. I think you know when I started using this the iPad Mini, to me that was oh, mm. this is this is a great uh, yeah, this is a great form factor for the iPad to be in. And you know they're now selling, I believe, you know a, a lot more of the smaller form factor iPads than they are of uh, yeah. you know of the original uh, of the original uh, iPad. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's a key space for them to uh, you know, to be competing and they've got to get that right um, but I mean you have, do, you have a, do you have a preference sort of size wise yourself? I think I, I definitely love the iPad mini and I think well, I, I was really interested in all these rumours that Microsoft was going to be making a smaller device, but they didn't actually do it yet. I'd, I'd be very interested in a Surface Mini. I don't know how they would do it. I have, I have no idea. But the, the iPad Mini, I think, is perfect because it's it's a book. It's a quick email thing. It's You just carry it around in your bag with your phone. It's very complimentary. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this question then. What about the price yep. point? So the new iPad Mini yep. with a retina display starts at 599 dollars. Uh, it's expensive. That, that's that's it's a, the most expensive small tablet on the market yeah. by, by quite a long shot, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not particularly uh, fond of that, to be honest. I'm just looking at the uh, current iPad Mini, and it's it's four hundred and fifty dollars, and I think that was compelling. The the fact that I know that they've got a new Retina screen in it and all this, but the four hundred and fifty dollar mark is a really good mark. I think for them to be in, it's it's not too much, it's not too little, it's just right. Um, so it's I think so maybe it might right thing, covering both of those spaces. I mean, at four fifty, yeah. I'd say that uh, there are going to be very few, if any, Windows tablets that are going to be able to undercut uh, the yeah. uh, the iPad Mini. They're they're more going to be at that iPad Mini Retina type price point. Yeah. And I mean, the specs of of the new iPad Air and the iPad Mini are you know are, are really good. These are you know these are top end devices. Um, they've got you know high high definition um, you know, cameras for. Or, uh, for, for video chat, for FaceTime, yep. Skype, and the like, um, you know they're they're pretty snappy from a performance uh, you know, perspective. And of course, you've conveniently got that option of of 3G or, or, or 4G uh, across yep. the board as well, which a lot of the other products, as we were talking about earlier, Surface and so on, don't necessarily give you that option at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's just in the right place, I would say. And the other thing that I wanted to point out that's really interesting about the Mini is I think a lot of people who purchase those kind of devices are buying them because it's not a Windows laptop, if you get what I'm saying. Like, they don't, they don't want the hassle and the fuss of a Windows computer. Obviously, you can't get one at that price point. But an iPad, it just works. Everybody knows the iPhone. Everyone knows iOS. It just works. You're just going to go and read a book. You're just going to go get your email, all that kind of thing. And I think that's why the iPad mini is particularly nice. You've got your books. You've got your email. You've got your 
whatever your photos and all this, and it's it's just with you. So you say you, you don't think that um, the Windows uh, modern experience or yeah, Android is as reliable? Um, I don't think Android is re- as reliable at all. Uh, it's it's weird on the tablet still. There's not much selection there as well. I think that's they're struggling with the same thing. And Google's are bound to relaunch a new tablet store to combat that. But I think. I think this is the thing. People just want something to work at that form factor. They're on Windows PCs all day. I'm not sure that maybe Microsoft doesn't ha- hasn't quite sold me on the modern experience. I like it, but, but I don't think it's perfect yet. It can be a little bit confusing, a little bit overwhelming. Everybody knows how to use an iPad. Just works. <laughs> yeah, and and I think there's that thing of pe- people people know that experience, and you know so yep. many people use an iOS uh, device already that it is reasonably easy for them to uh, you know to both you know keep selling to existing customers and to uh, you know and to sell to uh, to new ones. That that said, though, I think we are seeing people that have been an iPad user that that are, that have also uh, you know moved and are, and are buying one of the other platforms too, whether it's on a price perspective or whether it's you know that they're looking for some of the features that uh, you know, that Windows brings in terms of Office and so on, and, and probably hence part of their story for giving away iWork and making it available on on, on every platform uh, and connected to the cloud as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it's awesome, and I'm I'm really glad to see them moving the um, the full size iPad into a, a nicer form factor. It, it makes it a lot smaller. It's more compact. It's easier to carry around. It looks like the iPad Mini, which is awesome. I'm just a bit sad it doesn't come in gold. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Now um, that probably just about just about wraps us up. Um, yep. I guess we've also got the iPhone 5s and 5c, which land in New Zealand on uh, well Thursday or. Well, Friday morning at 12:01 a.m. and there's all sorts of uh, launch sort of kickoff uh, events being held by uh, uh, Vodafone and and, and Telecom. Um, you know, of course, um, two de- two degrees as, as yet haven't um, yeah haven't come on board in terms of. Uh, yeah, being, being an Apple Apple partner, so it's uh, it's Telecom and Vodafone that'll be sort of you know fighting it out for uh, uh, for new customers, and yeah. and of course you'll be able to buy the phones through the uh, you know through the Apple Apple Store as well. So um, some interesting days ahead, and I'll certainly be feeding. We'll be feeding back on future episodes really uh, around that. I'll be looking forward to getting my hands on the 5s on uh, on Friday. Uh, I have uh, one already. It's uh, great. <laughs> um, and and if, yeah, of course you can get them through uh, through other sources to have had them ahead of the New yeah. Zealand uh, launch, as we certainly have often done in in the past with some of the other um, launches. Um, and and also Mavericks, which I've got installed actually on the iMac uh, here with, with me now. I went through that install today. Um, pretty big down. I think it was five um, about f- yeah, oh, five point five gigs. Yeah, over f- over five gigs. Um, but of course, our internet connections in New Zealand are, are slowly. Improving, and I downloaded this over <laughs> over VDSL, and it was done in uh, uh, probably 90 minutes, something like that. So it wasn't a um, yeah, it wasn't an all day job like it might have been uh, in the in the past, which which was nice, and a reasonably quick uh, up, upgrade install. So there's quite a few yeah. interesting things about that, and uh, some of the changes that Apple have made uh, in behind the scenes, as you mentioned, on around uh, you know support for for, for uh, screen for different you know, having multiple uh, monitors. And and how that'll yep. work, uh, networking changes, um, yeah, a b- bunch of other stuff, um, some, some of which are quite cool and will certainly yeah. help the Mac to, uh, uh, I 
guess you know work within networks that are um, yeah maybe, maybe mixed environments that are mixed with sort of Mac and PC as well. So um, what we're going to do uh, in a minute is jump into that uh, interview with uh, Brad. It's been great to uh, great to have you on the NZT podcast, Owen. Thank you for uh, for joining me again. Thanks for having me. It was fantastic. Now, where do we find you online? You're on Twitter. You've got personal blog, and then we then you've also got the next web that you're writing for. So just r- run us through those those URLs. So I think I think the best way to find me is at OW. You, there's a link there, and you'll find everything. Um, and I'm owen.co.nz as well. So. Okay, so OW on Twitter or twitter.com slash OW and we'll, uh, we'll track yep. you down from there. Hey, well, thank you very much and uh, we're going to jump into this uh, next interview now, but uh, thank you and we'll look forward to uh, next time we can, uh, we can chat to you on the uh, NZ Tech Podcast. Thanks very much. See you okay. later. See ya. And now we have a segment that will be particularly of interest to those who are IT pros or involved in business technology. So right now with uh, Bradley Burrows from Microsoft, uh, welcome along. Great to great to have you here. It's been some time since you've been on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Hey, buddy, how are you, man? Original founder. Great to have you back, mate. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Now uh, wearing your Microsoft hat today, we're we're keen to hear a little bit about the newest that fits into your area. So maybe you can just remind us where you fit in at Microsoft, what your what your role is. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm Bradley Burrows, um, and I'm the business group lead for the Windows Server and Tools in Azure division. So. So basically what that long title means is that I have everything from the Windows Server, the System Center, the Developer Tools, the SQL, the Power BI, and all the public cloud stuff in my portfolio, then I look and run those business units for New Zealand. Cool. Last week was the big launch of you know, Windows 8.1, mm-hmm. and then on the server side, Windows Server 2012 R2, some other bits and pieces in there as well, such as the, the new version of System Center. That's what I'm, I'm keen to chat to you about today. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, so yeah, so we had, we had Intune release, what they're calling Wave F, I think, at the moment. Really fancy name on that one. So that comes out quite regularly, doesn't it? Being a cloud-based product, yeah. it iterates a lot quicker than the traditional you know, Microsoft package product software, which even that has has accelerated. I mean, it used to be we'd get a new version every you know, three or so years of a of a product, sometimes four or five. I mean, how how often are those some of those cloud products like Intune uh, releasing? So yeah, Intune's definitely moving to you know more of that six to twelve week release cycle. So six weeks you're getting a feature, every twelve or so weeks you're getting a major update. Things like Azure, you're seeing new things, which is our public cloud offering every week. Is, is there announcements coming through? So we had Oracle on Azure, Linux on Azure, you know, all that sort of stuff. And this is a product that, it's, I guess, in many ways competes with what uh, Amazon are doing with all of their, uh, you know, cloud, cloud services, AWS and so on. Yeah, from the public cloud side of it, it's definitely Amazon. They've got their own cloud infrastructure and everything. They obviously run Linux and Windows workloads on top of that. So they compete, but then they also partner, if that makes sense, because obviously they're paying for Windows workloads on there. And then we obviously have our competing product, which is platform as a service infrastructure. And you and I are talking before the show is, you know, it's 22 elements that make up you know, this thing called Azure from that side of things. It's a big beast that we could spend days talking about, and I don't want to bore you on it. But yeah. it, 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 it's a cool, it's a cool way to look at the technology. And I think for New Zealand and Australia, we're getting the data centers down this part of the world. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne, which are going to come calendar next, next calendar year. Um, and I think that'll be a good sort of bridge for us to really experience the services there. I think, you know, we've always talked about what's happening in the US and in Europe and stuff, and we'll actually get to have those at those high speed links that um, the rest of the world's enjoyed for quite a while. Um, but from the. Because it certainly side, makes a difference having those servers, you know, yeah. close, close to home. 
uh, yeah, the closer they are, the better the performance is, right? Yeah, well, we're at the bottom of the world. So no matter what, if vendor agnostic, licensing is going to be an issue, right? Unless you've got it in country or close by, it doesn't matter whether you Google, Microsoft, Apple, who, Amazon, whoever it is, we've, we've still got to put up with those, those long bits of wire to Hawaii or to Singapore, wherever we're going. And um, if we can get those things closer to us as services, that'll make life. You know, we'll be able to enjoy things like you know, Netflix, for argument's sake, or something working properly in this part of the world, which would be great. Sure. Now, um, I guess Amazon sort of made, made their, you know, made that announcement. They're moving into Australia, uh, and now that you know they've started getting their infrastructure there. Uh, I mean, how far away is it until yeah, Microsoft has something in there? Is it sort of beginning of the year, end of the year, or is it, or is that? Anyone's guess, or is it secret, secret squirrel? It is still secret squirrel. Um, I think the biggest thing is there's so many moving parts. We are building two data centers at once, um, and the dates are moving, um, and we're trying to get them as soon as possible. But the actual dates itself, um, not even I actually know those, mm. and I'm on the V team for the uh, virtual team. But um, yeah, it all, it all is secret squirrel stuff. We obviously want to do a big bang announcement when we do have those available, when we do have the pairings and the partners and everything up on board so but it will be next year sometime yep. next year and so you're building data centers in what sydney and melbourne yep those yep. are the two yeah yeah okay so yeah i i guess for people in the past that have always had their own servers having having that infrastructure available uh closer is you know basically opens up another uh, another option rather than people having their own infrastructure for everything right yeah and i mean i think the infrastructure is a some people get confused by what it actually means, and it can mean different mean things for different businesses. We've actually got some New Zealand businesses right now that are running all of their servers. So they've picked up all the on-premise servers, virtualized it from VMware, and they've put it all up on Azure um, infrastructure as a service. So they've got whole businesses, and all they run in is with a, an iPad, an Android, or a Windows device in their, in their organization. And then we've got some guys that are putting storage up in the cloud, so cheap storage, you know, Six cents a gigabyte, whatever it is, you know, up in the cloud, which is just scary. Or, you know, people are doing things just like Active Directory. Um, so I guess it comes down to, I mean, each business that's going to be a different fit in terms of, totally. you know, what is what is right for them in terms of where they should have their servers, what sort of internet connectivity they have. I mean, everything has to be a, has to be a fit to those business requirements. Right? It's all about risk mitigation and how comfortable you are as a customer or a partner like you to to put it up there and be confident that they're going to do it. And at the end of the day. That's the biggest challenge for New Zealand customers. All of this cloud stuff's unknown. Um, we haven't really done a lot of it, and we are trying to, I think everyone is trying to educate the, our customers and partners around how to do it, mm. whether it's Microsoft again, Amazon, whoever. Great. Now, now jumping back to uh, last week's uh, launch on Friday, uh, Windows Server 2012 R2. Yes. What are the bits for you that sort of stand out as being uh, being most interesting? You know, we uh, we chatted before. Uh, yeah, a lot of the there's you know um, yeah lots of I guess lots of things that make up Windows Server. Mm -hmm. But this release brings you know some areas that are getting a, a refresh, you know, um, and some new features. What are the things that sort of standing out from your perspective? Um, I think the big things for me right now was um, I really like the Azure integration. So what that does now is that you can just add your Azure subscription into it and you then natively can do things like back up to the cloud um, straight off the server. So you don't have to worry about it being a convoluted process, as it, I think, as it used to be for doing any cloud-based backup software, whether it's you know Microsoft or a third party, and you've got that native integration now. Um, the syncing or the ability to pull those services. So if you're buying 
media as a service for argument's sake. You can pull that through. Um, storage spaces, you and I were sort of having a natter around this, and, and it's interesting to see... For people out there, imagine if you can have um, USB disks, uh, I don't know, SSDs, um, traditional hard drives all stacked up, and then across the top of that you could have almost like a virtual storage layer, and, you, and it just presents that as D drive, for argument's sake, but it's made up of all these other disks that you can then add more disks to it. I think that's a good way of explaining it. That's really cool because one of the challenges I think we've all had in the past is, oh, my one terabyte disks run out of space. You know, you back it up, you format, you put a two terabyte, you move it across. Now you can just add it in dynamically, and it, it's kind of cool. Um, and that came from uh, the uh, home server product that you and I both loved and enjoyed, mm. um, and that's from that space. I think that's there. Um, I think for me the big one, though, that I'm actually becoming a bit of a fanboy of is, is Windows Server Essentials R2. Um, I'm actually running this uh, that's running now my home network mm. um, and this is the SMB product which has the awesome dashboard all the Office 365 integration and all the Azure integration but when I you know what when I want to I can upgrade it I can just put a Windows Server standard key in there and it flicks it over to a Windows Server standard and that's kind of cool from a I can grow and scale but all the cloud stuff's built in there so I'm a big fan of Essentials R2 as a product line um, but on top of that, you look, you've got new Hyper-V, you've got Hyper-V replicas, I think you've got the disaster yeah, recovery. Yeah, the, the Hyper-V replica stuff, that, I think that's a, one of the most exciting things probably around Windows Server for uh, yeah, a lot of people in terms of being able to mitigate a lot of risk, right? Being able to replicate you know, their virtual servers to different locations or you know, secondary servers and so on. Are you seeing much uptake of that in New Zealand? Yeah, well, we're seeing... Uh, uh, we're definitely seeing, say, from site A to site B. So mm-hmm. people are replicating an image from you know one to A to B. But what we're also seeing now is because of that that whole cloud integration, people are going from the offsite up into the cloud. So you go A to B, B to C. So what that means is that you know you can replicate from say Auckland to, to Wellington as a disaster recovery. But then you can sort of actually go, you know, we need to have that data retention so we can go from B and just replicate it straight up. And it's the same piece of software that does everything. All you're doing is, is paying for the service. So that's really kind of cool. And it is definitely getting a lot of um, interest. And also the ability to do, it does all the compression now on the fly too. I think in the past it would copy the one gig and try and move one gig, which as we know would probably take quite a while. This does compression and it can move it really quickly from A to B and B to C. So yeah, and there's more flexibility around you know how often it does it and so on as well. Yeah, totally. I think yeah. um, I think it's 15, 15 to thirty seconds. You can alternate it and then into the clouds thirty minutes or something like that. So you can set all those settings up and mm. and the replica is kind of cool. Um, and the virtualization stuff obviously all supports Linux now. So you've got the open source community coming on board. Like Azure, you can buy Linux from Microsoft, which is kind of a weird paradigm, along with you know, Oracle or Microsoft. Um, you've now got full Linux support on the Hyper-V straight out of the box now, which is kind of cool as well from that side of things. So that means from a backup perspective and, and, and so on that it's you know, Linux is treated as a... As a yeah, equal to Windows in totally. many, many regards. Yep. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, it's. I don't want to see them saying as a native operating system, but it's seen as yeah, equal is a good way to, to say it across. You know, when you're running it, it just treats it as a full-blown guest that it has all the the benefits and rights of backup, movement, all the elements. You know, it's all nicely plugged in. Um, I know the guys in Redmond were working to help influence on the the version of the kernel. I think I think from memory, and if your listeners beat me up on this, but I think it was like. The Linux kernel 3.3.1, I think it was, they helped put some of the, the components in it to allow this sort of work. So mm. it's kind of cool from that respect to see that um, the recognition of the you know the communities working there. It's kind of mm. cool. 
So Windows Server really goes from that lower end, and I think uh, Windows Server Essentials is yeah, up to, what, 25 users, yep. uh, really up to the very, very you know, high end now, right? I mean, the high, high performance um, server, where does, where does that fit in? So it's kind of interesting. What we're actually seeing is in our mid-market or our you know, zero to 50 users, we like to profile everyone on the, out there as the number of users you've got in a business, um, we're actually seeing a lot more um, of those smaller businesses buying the high-end products. So what we call our data center products, so those high-end, high virtualization, people are buying that because you get unlimited virtualization. That's how we differentiate our products now. If you buy Windows Server Standard or Windows Server Data Center, you get the same features. None of this tearing is, you know, price and everything in the old days. So it's virtualization. High performance computing, it's all gone, it's all moving into that cloud-based environments. You can buy thousands of CPUs to do SETI type engagements or, you know, video rendering. Um, and that, again, that just plugs straight through. But the data center side of the products is, is, um, it's been one of the sort of the surprise for New Zealand is, is that a lot of SMBs, a lot of mid-market, a lot of um, businesses are wanting, you know, to be able to do the unlimited virtualization side of things. Mm. Um, but it, it's definitely been a, the uptake has been astronomical, Windows Server 2.12, and R2 is people are already just, you know, just installing it already. It's great. Really good to see. Great. So in addition to uh, to the Windows Server release last week was also the uh, System Center product. Yep. Tell us where that fits in and why why it's important that it was sort of released at the same time. Believe it or not, um, in the past we've normally released the OS and then put the management tools a little bit later. This time we've actually got the release cycles where both the server and the management tools are coming out at the same time. So I guess that means customers can that have got the management tools can actually upgrade rather than having to Bingo. wait for it all to line up, which is, is yeah. I'm sure, has been a frustration in the past. Yeah, we got feedback last time around that, you know, hey, Microsoft, you're releasing the OS, but yet we can't upgrade to it. We, we can't to- back it up. We can't do this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, look, we've got that right this time. I think the big thing is that from the System Center product range, it's going to moving into our server management, so it'll manage your servers, and Intune will be our device management platform over time for all devices. And I think with System Center, you, you look again. You're seeing a common theme, which is um, there's a lot of new features, a lot of new updates. But the cloud integration of being able to manage multiple clouds uh, on premise in the cloud, move workloads between it. I think that's a, been a big um, sort of uh, update in, in management that they wanted to do is to be able to sort of move things across. So, you know, if you wanted to have a web server here, you can move it up into the cloud and pull it back and move it around from that side of things. Yeah, yeah. So it's been it, it's been a long time coming. I think. We've probably spoken about this whole, you know, one pane of glass view, if you like, in inverted commons and marketing terms. And I think we're actually starting, you know, to, to actually get to the point where the marketing, the technology's caught up with what the marketing hype was. And it's kind of cool in that respect that customers can actually do this stuff now and they're not just looking at a marketing slide going, oh, yeah, that'd be great in five years. Well, actually, no, you can actually do it. You can actually, I suppose, in inverted commas, live the dream. Um, and, you know, and actually muck around with that cloud elements and play with it. But look, the, the, the integration, the tool sets, um, the ability to manage VMware, to manage Citrix, to manage um, open source platforms, all natively built in now. Again, really nice to see um, the recognition of all the other platforms and that you can actually manage those and look after them in an environment. So it's all out now with the R2 product range um, and we'll be moving to these yearly sort of, I suppose, you know, 9 to 15 months slot on-premise, what I call the the box products, I think you called them at the beginning, you know, mm. the, the heavy products in the old days. We're moving to that quick release cycle so we get those features out. Uh, one of the common questions I get asked a lot is why? Why are, we, why are you going so quick? How are we going to keep up? Well, you, your listeners and, and partners and customers out there have actually asked us to move this fast. Um, we've, we've been told we're too slow 
And so we've now got it, we're now getting faster and getting this out there. Um, and hopefully people will appreciate that, that we're trying to get the features ready for people quickly. Yeah, well, I think it's important that all these things, you know, line up. We're seeing all the consumer products release really quickly, and, yeah, yeah all of these things have to actually fit together and work, uh, work together uh, in order to serve, yeah, people's businesses. So uh, no, I think it's a good good thing. It, it's kind of cool when you think about it. You had Server 212, System Center, Intune, Windows 8.1, and you know, updates to us. You're all coming in that sort of one week period, and then obviously, I think that we announced the, the week before the, the the new remote desktop client, which now I mean, you know, you can do these across iPads, um, Android devices, which allows you full touchscreen into a Windows environment. So you suddenly get these blobs coming in in one big bunch, which actually all works together nicely now. Which yeah, is kind of cool. yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a it's a good thing. All right, well, thank you very much for coming in, Brad. Very good to catch up, and great to hear about the new round of Microsoft products. Cheers, buddy. All right, cheers. So that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. You can, of course, find me online on Twitter, at Paul Spain. Uh, and you can find the NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com. We're on Twitter, at nztechpodcast. We're on facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. So uh, definitely worth connecting with us in those places to keep up to date with uh, news and happenings throughout the week and to, uh, to hear updates on new episodes. So thanks very much for, uh, for listening, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.